0: Oh, the Old Testament reading. Thanks, Stacey. is from Zephaniah chapter 3. This is a text that we're going to talk about at um, the Advent service this Wednesday night. Uh, Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors and I will save the lame and gather the outcast. And I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time I will bring you in, at the time when I gather you together. For I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Epistle reading is from Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the seventh chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The disciples of John reported all these things to him, all the things that Jesus was doing. And John, calling his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour, Jesus healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go, tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed Splendid clothing and live in luxury or in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written: Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise you, O Christ. Uh, okay, so let's uh, start. Uh, Philippians four. Can you go back there and read that with me? Let me turn there. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. This is a, a third Sunday of Lent. Text. This is the uh, you know, the pink candle was lit this morning. That's the candle for joy. If you know the, ki- the the kids' song about light one candle, that's this is the candle for joy. This is uh, a joy Sunday in the Christian church. So Philippians four is a text for uh, today. Uh, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, so let's talk about anxiety. Anxiety is um, its an epidemic problem now. If, if people come and they, if they say, I want to talk to you about uh, something I'm struggling with, I just assume that 75% of them are going to say, I have anxiety issues. And it could be like a, sort of a low-level, chronic, it's just the background noise in your life that you're always, sometimes it's really serious, you're taking medicine for it, and it's just something that you can't not get away from, being anxious. And there's different reasons for this, of course. I mean, I'm not a medical doctor. There are medical reasons. If a doctor tells you that you should be on medicine, I'm not telling you to get off medicine. You should stay on your medicine. But I do want to deal with other elements to this as well. It's never just a medical issue. And so let's talk about things that were. what are the things that you're anxious for? Sometimes we're anxious about our finances, right? You're worried about, am I going to make enough money to support my family? Am I going to make enough money to retire? Or am I going to have to work way into my old age? These are things that we're worried about. A lot of people are worried about money. What about uh, performance? These kids getting up here this morning. For some of them, they like to do it. For some of them, it's hard to stand in front of people and uh, talk or sing. And for, for you guys too, you have you know different things that you have to do in your life. Maybe tasks that you have to do at work, and it, it worries you. You stay up at night and you think about, am I going to be? Can I do that? Can I do that in a sufficient way? I've told you guys this before, so this is not uh, this is not new news. But I always I'm always nervous before I stand up and preach in front of people because I'm anxious that you like me. I'm anxious that you think this is not boring. And, uh, you know, just like all anxiety, it's turned in on yourself. You're worried about what the events of your life or the non-events are doing to you. And I I struggle with this too. Meeting people's expectations is another thing that people struggle with. If I get an email from a student at the high school and they say, I want to talk to you about something, I can almost like uh, 95% of the time, One of their issues is going to be anxiety. And 75% of those times, their anxiety is related to grades. They really, really want to get good grades. And they're nervous about, you know, not getting good grades. Are they going to get into a good college? Are they going to get enough scholarships? Mom and dad are like totally on top of them all the time saying, you got to work harder. Don't be lazy. You need to study. And they have problems sleeping. I mean, they don't sleep at night and then they're sleepy all day long. They don't want to eat during mealtimes, but they want to eat all the time when it's not mealtime. All this anxiousness built up inside of them. There's this uh, uh, one girl uh, who's, uh, who I, I was a teacher of her as a good shepherd, and then she's in college now, but she's straight-A student all the way. But she talked to me quite a bit, and one of her issues was uh, my grades. Are they good enough? And of course they're good enough. But my mom and dad say, I just need to work hard, and you need to work as hard as you can so you can get enough scholarships and of course that brings all the family finance anxiety onto the kid's shoulders and i told her at one point i said you just need this is your your parents will think this is a, a bad advice i said you just need to bomb the test you just need to like mail it in one night don't study at all just go in and get the f and then just do it and wake up the next morning and look at yourself in the mirror and say i'm okay i woke up this morning god still loves me for the sake of jesus christ my identity is not shattered. But of course, she thought that her identity would be shattered. If she didn't get all A's, she herself would crumble. She had built up this, and her parents had helped her build up this identity. Straight A student, all kinds of scholarships to college. That's who you are. It, it was a load that she could not bear. And so it created anxiety. It might not be grades for you guys, but it's something. It's something that you're carrying around. It could be death, right? Death is always there. We all are going to die. It could be lurking 30 seconds away. It could be 30 years away. But this sort of, this great capital F finality, it's right there, and you don't know where it's going to be. And a lot of you will wake up in the middle of the night worrying about this, especially if you're struggling with health issues. You know, am I, 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 just the unknown of not knowing when it's going to happen creates anxiety. What about losing control? I see this all the time. People, the parts of their lives are spinning out of control. And so they find one area where they can domineer it. They can control it and it belongs to them. They obsess over it. Because if you can control just one part of your life, there's this sense that, okay, I have this under control. And again, this creates anxiety when you can't have it under control. It creates this uh, feelings of great anxiousness. Anyway, Paul says to us here in Philippians 4, uh, don't be anxious about anything. This is verse 6. Don't do that. Don't have have anxiety. Uh, Okay, so we'll talk in a few minutes about how this is possible, because those of you who do struggle with anxiety, you're like, okay, thanks, Paul. That's nice. Don't be anxious. Uh, It's not really possible. I'm going to be anxious. We'll talk more about that in a minute, but let's talk for just a second about, like, why would God, why would it be important for you to be told, don't have anxiety, Is it because God knows that when you're anxious that it doesn't feel good? Like, you know, it's hard to be awake in the middle of the night and sleepy all day. It's hard to worry about stuff. It doesn't feel good. And God just wants you to relax. Just calm down and you'll feel better. Uh, Yes, this is true. I think that God would like for you to relax and feel better. But that's actually not the main point. That's not the main reason why he says, don't be anxious about anything. Here's the main reason. Because when you allow your emotions to be controlled by something, when you allow your thought patterns in your brain to be controlled by something other than God, that's called idolatry. Remember what Luther says about the first commandment, shall have no other gods. What does it mean? We should fear love and trust in God above all things. We should fear God above all things. You should fear God above the fear that you have that you'll get good grades or not. Or the fear that your relationship with your... You, you know, your, your brother-in-law is really awkward and painful and you guys don't get along, and here next week you're going to be spending maybe even a couple days with them. You should fear God more than that. Right? There's only one, listen to me, this is very important, there's only one genuinely scary thing in the entire universe, and that's the Creator God. And when you give your emotions and your brain to something else that's not Him, that's idolatry. It's going to create anxiety. He wants you to turn away from these things. He wants to draw you away from these things. You know, so, so anxiety, it sucks. It sucks your attention. Attention is a fine word. It's, you know, it sucks your perceptions. It sucks your, I'm going to use a biblical word in a very appropriate way. It sucks your worship away from the one true God onto something else. And, you know, Your worship is not, well, you come in here and you sing a few hymns. Your worship is like what you give your life to, what your life is centered around. And for a lot of us, our life is centered around the things that we're afraid of, the things that we're worried about, the things that we're anxious about. That's idolatry. And God says, turn away from these things to him. All right, this is true. You should repent from whatever you're anxious of and turn back to the one true God. But I haven't yet told you what you should do to turn away from those things. And I haven't yet told you what God is doing to turn you away from the things that you're anxious about. So let's do that now. First of all, what should you do? For those of you who struggle with anxiety, what should you do to turn away from the things that demand your attention, the things that compel you to worship them, to focus on them, to turn to the one true God? Here's Paul's answer in verse 6. Look at verse 6 with me. Uh, Don't be anxious about anything, but here's your alternative. So the but means here's your alternative to anxiety. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Okay, so turn everything to God in prayer. In everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, I think that what he's saying here is this. Pray, that's the first one. There's three things, prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. The first one, the prayer, that's the main thing. Supplication, I think. Supplication and thanksgiving explain what he means by prayer. You're focused on this. Instead, whatever that is, prayer will turn you to God. It'll take your focus away from this thing and it'll put it on God. So so you're worried about your finances. You're anxious about your finances. Turn to God and say, God, take care of my finances. This is what supplication... Let's do supplication and thanksgiving. Supplication just means asking for something. So you turn, you take take the things that you're worried about, your grades, your relationships, your health, and you say... God, I want you to take care of my grades and my relationships and my health and my money. So of course, you don't hear what I'm not saying, right? I'm not saying that you don't need to work hard you don't need to study in spite of what I told that girl. You don't need to study. You, you, know, you don't need to like work on your relationships with your friends and your family. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it can't be your focus. God has to be your focus. So you take those things and you say, I'm gonna give those to God. By asking God to help you, it's a, it's a, it's a recognition that I can't carry my own anxieties, I can't be in charge of my garden in such a way that it makes me feel satisfied I'm in control of my universe. I can't work hard enough to satisfy my own inner taskmaster that I'm a good worker and I'm worthy of being loved because I'm such a good worker. My kids can't behave well enough. I can't be a good enough parent to be satisfied internally. Okay, we've got this. We are the perfect family. So what do you do? You say, God, can you raise my family? Can you make me a good husband? Can you take care of my finances? By asking God for those things, you're taking it away from idolatry territory and you're letting God be in charge again. What does Thanksgiving mean? Because these two things go together, supplication and Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving means you give give God thanks for these things, right? So you say to God, like, God, will you take care of my finances? And I thank you for whatever you choose to do. In a few verses here in Philippians 4, Paul's going to say, I've done that. Like, God, can you take care of my finances? And he's going to say later, I can be poor. I can be rich. I can be hungry. I can be well fed. I can be prison or I, I can be in prison or I can be on the outside. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because God's in charge. More on that in a second. And I don't need to focus and worry about these things because God is going to take care of them. And I'm going to give him thanks for whatever he chooses to do. Whether I'm poor or rich, whether I'm a bad parent or a good parent, whether I'm in control of my life or not in control of my life, God, thank you for whatever it is that you've given me. All right? That's what we should do. That's what you and I should do about our anxieties. But now here's the gospel part. What's God going to do about our anxieties? So right in the middle of this text, if you look at this, there's all these directions, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. It's imperative. Let your reasonables be known to everybody. That's an imperative. Don't be anxious about anything, verse 6. That's an imperative. In everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. That's an imperative. Right in the middle of those is that little tiny phrase at the very end of verse 5. The Lord is at hand. This is what God's going to do about your anxieties. He's going to tell you, this is why this is an Advent text. The Lord is at hand. Now, let's unpack that real quick. What What do we mean by Lord? Well, we mean Jesus. Lord isn't a nickname for Jesus. It's actually one of his titles. What does it mean to call Jesus Lord? Who is, what is the Lord? Who's the Lord in the Old Testament? What do the Romans mean when they say that Caesar's Lord? Here's what, we, here's what it means that Jesus is Lord. He is the creator of the entire universe. He is the sustainer of the entire universe. He's the one who's making your heart beat right now. He's the one who's holding these atoms together so that this whole thing just doesn't dissolve. He's the redeemer of the universe. He became a human being so that he could die and rise from the dead to make all things right. He's completely sovereign over every single little thing. The amount of money that's in your checking account right now, he is sovereign over that. The blood cells that are coursing through your veins right now, He's responsible for their health. The relationship that you have with your friends and your family. he's respons- He is so, wh- whoever's president or mayor or governor or whoever is in charge, he's responsible for these things. He is the Lord. He's completely sovereign. And he's on your side. He's determined to set things to right. And here's the second part. He's at hand. That means he's right around the corner. He's headed this way and at any moment he'll be here to fix everything. At any moment he's going to come back to think about all the things that you're anxious about to put those things to right to fix it all. Don't be anxious about anything because Jesus loves you. He's completely sovereign over the whole universe and he's almost here to fix it all. So Friday night uh, we had some friends over and we were playing some games and um uh, the, the Blues game uh, was on, and it was going into overtime. Some of you, some of you watched this game, the Avalanche game, and uh, it was in overtime. And so I did uh, what you do, like what responsible people do when you have guests over, is I started watching the game on my phone. And I said to Harry, I said, "Hey, come here and watch this. Like, there's this is two minutes into overtime." And so Harry and I are watching it. And if you know anything about the Blues this year, you know that the Blues are going to lose this game because they've. They just lose every overtime game. I think they were like one in five. And then uh, the Avalanche go on the power play. The, the Blues commit just the dumbest penalty I've ever seen in my life. And so the, the the Avalanche are on the power play, and Harry and I know how this is going. You know, they're going to lose this game. And, and so you're sitting there going, ah, we're going to do it again. But then just weirdly, almost, it's not miraculously, but weirdly, uh, they get uh, a shorthanded breakaway goal, and they score in overtime to win the game. So then we we uh, we put the phone away because the game was over and because Angela was saying put the phone away you have guests over, <laughs> and uh, but we said Look, so Fox Sports Midwest is going to show this game again they'll do a replay and l- let's watch it let's watch the replay so we can sort of see the whole build up to it you know and so the next morning at uh, it was on it was like eight o'clock uh, Fox Sports Midwest did the replay of the game and so Harry and I were watching the game and we were watching the game and we were not nervous at all. Like we were the night before, right? We we were excited to see sort of the buildup, like the stages that were happening to lead up to it. That that's what makes it a good sporting event, right? Think, think about the. Uh, sorry, I apologize. This is a very sports centric. So think about the sixth game of the twenty eleven World Series, where it looked like the Cardinals twice in the ninth inning and extra innings were down by two runs and they were going to lose. That's a fun game to watch because the desperate nature of the moment makes the rescuing of the moment that much sweeter. That's why Harry and I are watching the games. But we're not nervous at all because we actually know what's going to happen. Right. Do you you see that that's what Paul is doing for you now in this text? Don't be anxious for anything because the Lord is at hand. He's on it. You already know how this thing is going to end. You already know that all your relationships are going to be fixed. You already know that all your finances are going to be taken care of. You already know that all the unrighteousness in your own heart and in the hearts of our friends and in the hearts of people outside here is going to be done away with someday. And everything when Jesus returns is going to be set to right. And see so what two things are happening. First of all, Jesus is saying, "I'm coming back to fix everything." So relax. You know how the game ends. The fact that it's a dramatic game and it looks like things are going to be kind of dicey and maybe you're going to lose, is just because I like to write good stories, Jesus says. I like the drama. I want the glory. I want you to say, dang, that's a good story. But the second thing that's happening is is if by the power of his word he can convince us that he indeed is coming again and everything's going to be set to rights and so we can be in prison or out of prison, we can be poor, we can be rich, We can be lonely, we can have tons of friends, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If he can pull that out of the new creation and drag that here into your life now so that you believe it, you will begin to experience the peace of the new creation even now. You'll begin to experience real, genuine, emotional and mental health. What Paul finishes up this text by saying will be true of you when he says the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds In Christ Jesus, amen.